0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the
1: name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
2: Yeah, Mairead was on to us from Karen. She says, uh, really enjoying the show, Fran. But well, what a shame to hear about the closure of Rosie's bookshop in Tlanmill. Lovely shop uh, to browse through. Well, that's uh, for sure. Uh, We were very disappointed to hear that uh, this morning. And as I say, uh, there's so much more I could uh, have spoken to Rosie about this morning and we will certainly do so um, before she closes up shop for sure.
1: The Conspiracy Files on Tip Today.
2: And the conspiracy person herself, Ali, is with me. Good morning.
3: Morning, Good to see
2: you today. You too. Um You're going to talk to us about past lives, for God's past sake.
3: Past lives, yeah. yeah. It's an interesting one. It's a very popular one as well because humans have pondered the idea of reincarnation for generations. And of course, it's a main belief in a number of religions as well. It's a mainstream yeah. teaching in Hinduism, Sikhism, and Buddhism. But many Western cultures have also bought into the idea of reincarnation. Um, but done so through a kind of a more popular kind of vein because there are countless stories of parents online who describe how their children began speaking of past lives at a very young age. Now, studies on this, and there have been many studies, many scientific studies done on this, show that children who speak of past lives will do so between the ages of two and five. And then any memories that they have or claim to have had will fade away then after the age of five. But there is a very small number of people who claim to carry these memories throughout their lives. Now of course when you talk of past life memories it's quite contentious and arguments can be made for and against. I mean many people will say that children are very prone to you know imagination mm-hmm. that anything they see on television or read about in books that that's where they're getting these memories from. But the stories that I'm bringing you today the case studies I'm bringing you um you can't explain away really by just having seen something or read something. I mean there is irreputable evidence there to show that they know exactly what they're talking about and they are who they say they are. Uh, Jenny Cockell is an interesting story. This is one that's very close to home because a lot of these studies, a lot of these stories come from India. And many would argue, and experts in the field will say that this is because they're very open to the idea of yeah. reincarnation as part of their religious belief. So the talk, children wouldn't be afraid to tell you about memories of past lives, whereas here it might be something that would be very quickly dismissed. Jenny Cockell was a woman who was born in 1953 in Hertfordshire in the UK. She's an English podiatrist who in the mid-90s, you might remember her because she was all over the place in the mid-90s talking about her claims of reincarnation. She had very clear memories of being a woman called Mary who lived in Ireland and these memories stayed with her for her whole life. Her story was very compelling. Now here's an interview with Mary from, not Mary, Jenny, or Mary, from the early 90s.
0: For as long as I can remember, I've had dreams of being Mary in Ireland and dying while the children were still young, not grown, in the 1930s. Terrible dreams of being alone in a room in pain, not at home, and knowing that there was nothing I could do to ensure the safety of the children's futures.
4: As soon as she could pick up a pencil, Jenny began drawing maps of the village she saw in her mind, the main roads, the station and her cottage. And when she got a school atlas, she could even locate where it was.
0: After several attempts just shutting my eyes and allowing myself to be drawn to a place that might feel familiar, I found that Malahide was named just north of Dublin.
4: For years, Jenny kept these strange visions of Ireland to herself, until at last she could hold back no longer. She had to find out if the memories meant anything. She began at her local bookshop, ordering a map of the Malahide area to confirm her childhood drawings.
0: Malahide that to look at.
4: The maps matched. For Jenny, a first glimmer of proof.
0: Looks the same. Yes. Excellent.
4: Thank you very much. Now she needed more, Jenny. and tried hypnosis to plumb her deeper relax. memories. ...and just drift away.
2: Just drift off into deep, deep relaxation. One, two... It sharpened
0: up a great deal of the detail. Three, There's a, one of the churches I Four, saw the outside fairly clearly, five, clearly five, enough relax. to make a little drawing afterwards of it.
3: And so from that past life regression, then she got a name. That name was Mary Sutton. And then with the work of of local historians, she was able to track down Mary Sutton and her children, all of whom were still living at this stage. She went to meet one of them by the name of Sonny. And what's very interesting is how the children's reaction to her was. I mean, they fully believe that Jenny is who she says she is. But the way that they see it is quite interesting. And here are the thoughts of the children when they met Jenny Powell. Priest only lives across us, Father McCarthy.
4: And I said, Father, he says, I want the truth, though. No, I said, Do you believe in reincarnation? He said, That is all I can answer, Chrissy said it is that your mother is calling from heaven. Mm-hmm. And just coming through you.
1: Mm-hmm. Jenny's mm-hmm. dreams are Mummy's thoughts. Basically, my my opinion is that Mum wanted us all together again. And Jenny was the lucky no. one that
0: Children, yeah. that uh, she chose and put her soul into Jenny yeah. that's the way I look at it she, she is back again. I, I believe that my mother is not passed on she hasn't passed over as we say the wounds of the years of separation the wounds of not knowing where my brothers and sisters were those wounds Jenny is healed
2: now because now I know they I know they're alive and well. Isn't that fascinating? Jenny's yeah. dreams are mummy's uh, thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's so
3: they don't believe that she was reincarnated as such but they do believe that their mother from the grave sent messages to Jenny in order to reunify the family because the family were all separated after Mary Sutton died. They were all sent out to foster homes. Many of them didn't meet until Jenny Coquel arrived on the scene. So they believe firmly that it was their mother speaking through Jenny. Not necessarily reincarnated but they do believe her.
2: That she was like a medium or something. Exactly. Is, is that yeah. Yeah. Who, who else have you got, Ellie?
3: Cameron Macaulay is an interesting one and he was in the news lately because there was um, a documentary made about him and it's called The Boy Who Lived Before. He's a young boy from Glasgow living with his single mom and older brother but has very vivid memories of a life before this one. That life was on a very remote Scottish island called Barra. Now he remembered his Barra mother and dad, his brothers and sisters, he would a black and white dog, he remembered that he grew up on on a beach uh, near a house where planes would land that was very specific for him that planes would land on this beach and he was so insistent on it and he longed for it terribly and you can see that in the documentary he'd wake up at night crying to go back home but his mom, an amazing woman You know, I think a lot of parents would maybe fob this off as imagination or dreams. She didn't, and she believed him, and she followed her through. She sought help from psychologists, from historians, from everything. They were able to track down this house in Barra that they believed he lived in before and brought him to visit it. He was four years of age when they brought him there. And here's some audio of that visit.
4: Norma Macaulay is a single mum who lives in Glasgow with her two young sons.
0: two boys lovely boys not even if I say so myself I've got Martin who's six and I've got Cameron who's five
4: since Cameron first started to talk he has described life as a child on Barra a remote island in Scotland's outer Hebrides I lived in the White
0: House with my mum and dad and my three brothers and sisters
4: From the age of two, Cameron has been telling his family the same story. As he's grown older, the story hasn't changed, it's just become more detailed. Norma could not understand how Cameron knew about Barra, let alone have such clear memories of life on the island.
0: At first I just thought, oh, he's making things up, and then I was thinking, how does he know the name Barra? Why, why is it Barra where none of us have
4: been or have any connection with? Barra lies off the western coast of Scotland, 220 miles from Glasgow. It can only be reached by a lengthy sea journey or an hour-long flight. It's a tiny, distant outpost of the British Isles and is home to just over a 1,000 people.
0: I see. The was the beach and I took my dog with me and i play with him and my brothers and sisters too play. He used to say, I'm a Barra boy, I'm a Barra boy. <laughs>
2: the
0: planes was to land on the beach. He said there's like a small beach. He says in like small planes like and they land on the beach. It better is a loads of places than to a town, but here is no a lot because the houses are near each other.
3: And there's a scene in that documentary yeah. where, when they go to the house, and he's he's very struck by it, and he doesn't speak a lot, but he asks that the fire be lit at the house in Barra because that's what they did every evening. So they lit the fire and they all sat around, and he like he was only a four year old boy at the time, and his mother said to him are you happy you came to Barra? And he just nodded, saying yes. And she said, does it make you sad? And he said, yes. Like, nodded. And then she said, do you miss your Barra mummy? And he looked at her with the big eyes and his chin started to go. Oh. And he said, yeah. And I just, oh, it broke my heart. Oh, the my poor, Like, he had a physical reaction to where he was and he was absolutely sure that this was where he lived Wouldn't before. Wouldn't you
2: feel for the poor mother though this is to, the thing. to deal with
3: that? And she was know? so open to it and yeah. she would say to him, that was your life then and I'm your mammy in this life and I love you just as much as your barren mammy did and it was like she handled it so well. So well. But that documentary is available online, it's called The Boy Who Lived Before. There's another, I mean this mm. next case is... Incredible. This is the case of James Leninger. He's an American child and similarly as well as a young child would speak about memories he had of being a pilot and his name at that time was also James, he claimed. Now the parents just thought it was something that he was watching until they took him to an air show and he was able to identify all the different parts of the planes, all the different planes and what they would have been used for. He would have nightmares every night that he was trapped in a plane. He even had G.I. Joe dolls that he gave very specific names to, first and last names to. And the parents didn't understand that. He never underwent any type of hypnosis. But how they were able to, I suppose, prove what James was saying is incredible. Listen to this audio.
1: I thought Bruce and I were just going to faint. They questioned, what kind of plane? Corsair. Why did your airplane crash?
0: My plane was shot down.
1: Who, Who shot your plane?
0: He looked at me like I was a village idiot. He said...
1: The Japanese. I kept thinking... Where is he getting this? I was a stay-at-home mom, so I know that there wasn't anything that he was being exposed to. Not exposed to in this life, but perhaps, just maybe, somebody else was. Decades earlier, James Houston grew up with the same insatiable fascination with airplanes. He became a naval fighter pilot and fought in World War II, March 3, 1945. During a mission near Iwo Jima, he took a direct hit. At age 21, was declared missing and presumed dead.
3: Where did he
0: take off from a boat?
1: Do you remember the name of your boat? He you said Natoma.
0: Found uh, several thousand hits on the word Natoma.
1: The USS Natoma Bay launched into battle, headed for Iwo Jima in the fight for Lady Gulf.
4: It's the biggest naval battle in the history of the world.
1: Leo Pyatt served on the ship, from his home in Ohio he organizes the Natoma Bay reunions that's how Bruce found him
4: I wanted to disprove it He asked uh, a few questions about uh, did I know some of the people Oh yeah I remember those people and uh, so he he got uh, very uh, quiet
1: It was all real the people and places James described actually existed and remember those GI Joe dolls that James named turns out three men with the same names, first and last, served on the Natoma and were killed in action. James said they greeted him in heaven after his crash. I'd always asked him, do you remember what your name was? And he always said James, but his name is James.
4: Yes, there was a Jim Houston or rather large shell. Just hit him in the the engine and it burst into flames and, and went down.
1: They showed Leo the drawings.
4: He was uh, right on the nose. I'm sure in my mind that he was there.
1: Leo invited James, now three, to the reunion. James recognized several pilots, even called them by name. You're Bob Greenwald. I'm serious. And he'd never met Bob Greenwald. No, he'd never met him before. And someone else was invited James Houston's sister, Anne. And he goes, uh, It's not Anne, it's Annie. She wasn't my oldest sister. I had an older sister than that. And I said, You did? Who is that? And he goes, Ruth, I mean, Ruth.
0: Eddie is what they called me when I was little, knowing my name and my sister's name, things that my brother did when he was a kid. It's too amazing to describe how he would feel that way, but he does. He considers me his sister.
1: But does she consider
0: James her brother? I think it's probably a reincarnation of my brother.
1: Isn't
3: that incredible?
2: That's an unbelievable story, isn't it? Yeah. And and the names that he gave to the dolls proved to be actual people.
3: They were um, colleagues or comrades that he had in the army as James Houston. Exact names. I mean, there was no mistake made at all.
2: All right, then. What do you make of all of this?
3: I mean, look, obviously there's a lot of scepticism around this and it can be dismissed. But when you look at the case of James Leninger, I mean, that's irrefutable, really, you know, he knew names, he knew ship names he that knew he plane possibly names, have known. not at three years of age yeah. and even the parents would talk about he would draw pictures but they were kind of moving pictures with red marks everywhere to kind of signify where he was going and where he came down so he was very precise in his detail.
2: And do we know where psychologists and psychiatrists sit on this? I mean is there a
3: Depending on what side they're on, I mean, the ones that are sceptical will always say that this is, you know, some kind of imaging or some kind of influence from stories that they've heard or from something they've watched on television or films or books that they're reading. You can't explain all of that away. I mean, there are some that will say if, if when they are on the side of reincarnation, if a death is traumatic enough or in some way maybe is unresolved from that life that will continue into the next life in order for them to find that closure and that resolution. Like an
2: energy that continues on. And
3: maybe that's the case with James Leninger because his death was so traumatic that he had to find former colleagues in order to find peace and closure from that death in order to move on in this life. Um, So look, I mean, it depends on what you believe in yourself. Mm. I you,
2: you've had some uh, past life regression. I did. I've, you You're, see,
3: and it's not that I believe it as such, but I find it fascinating. Yeah. So I, I went to get the past life regression done. You've had it done as well. I've had it? it done, yeah. Mine was very interesting. What was yours like?
2: Um, I ended. Up, I was training to be a hypnotist at the time, and it was sort of part of the, the training. And I, I was in a class. I wasn't very good at being hypnotized. Right. So, so I took this as a kind of, you know, a grand. Um but I did have a rather unique experience. It was very brief, but I was this guy in tattered clothing. No change there. Um, it, it seemed to be like the American Civil War, and there was one of these American Civil War bands, you know, with fife and drums yeah. sort of coming around a corner, but it was like crystal clear in technicolor to me. And the only anomaly in it was when I looked down, as I say, I was in very tattered clothing, but I had a very fancy ring on my finger. Mm. So I'm not sure what... And then it all sort of disappeared. But it wasn't a dream, you know? Yeah.
3: Were you not tempted to go back and see what The Ring was about? No? I'd,
2: I'd love to have... Uh, I looked it up afterwards to see was could I find the image of the ring. And, do you remember um, what it looked like? I do. Sorry, it was very dark, almost black, with a sort of a gold inlay thing. Wow! In but I couldn't find anything that even was similar to yeah. it along the way. But I, I don't know. Maybe I was a thief and I stole the thing. Maybe. I don't know.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but it was fascinating. What about yours?
3: Mine was different in that I I think I remember I went through four lives, and she she said I was quite unique in the fact I was jumping from life to life. Normally people would stay in one and. Um, tell it in great detail I remember the first one similarly I was in the Civil War I was married to the man I'm married to in this life but I actually wasn't with him at the time so that was kind of odd but he died in war and I saw him die and then I killed myself by throwing oil paraffin oil on myself and lighting myself on fire what? So I remember that. That wasn't pleasant. Then in the next life, I that was... must have
2: been the greatest understatement of all. That, that was rather unpleasant, yes. It then I was been.
3: in Haiti and I was an old woman and I drowned in the sea. But I was like in my 80s when I drowned. That was an accident. I can't remember the fourth one, but another one was an interesting one that I was my mother's baby and I died as a cot death. And I thought that was quite strange. I just remember like I was in the cot looking at my mother, looking at me. And that, like, my mother died in this life when I was quite young. And the hypnotist would say that's very common, that if you were to die young in her life, she will come back and die young in your life, that it kind of revolves oh like that. So she said that would make sense. But also what's interesting, like, I know the stories with children. And I've heard a lot of these stories about children. My youngest, when he was two, had a had a story that he was James O'Connor sorry, Jack O'Connor, in a former life, but was very detailed about, and I'd say, well, what, what kind of life did you have? And he said, I was a mechanic, but I fixed mostly lawnmowers and tractors. I didn't really fix cars. And he'd say, I was married with two children, but I didn't like my wife and my children weren't nice to me. <laughs> And then I said, well, how did you die in that life? And he said, well, I was coming home from the pub and I had too much to drink and I crashed into a ditch and I died. The detail the it. The de- detail was unbelievable. And you'd be passing things and he'd say, I, that looked like where I was when I was Jack O'Connor. And I did something like that when I was Jack O'Connor. And then once he turned four, it was gone. And you ask him now and he has absolutely no memory of it now. But at the time, it was hugely detailed. Now, we went back to look, but I mean Jack O'Connor is such a common of name, it is, yeah. so we couldn't find anything. but I always thought it was really interesting
2: it's It's just fascinating stuff altogether, yeah it'd be yeah. interesting
3: to hear now if listeners have similar, especially from kids because we tend to dismiss them a little bit so it'd be interesting. I'm sure there's a lot of parents who have kind of similar kind of stories and we'd love to hear from them about it.
2: Yeah, uh, Liam was on to say you're scaring the wits out of him again (laughs) this week. He's wondering how many lives have you had, Ali? You're like a cat. God
3: knows, God (laughs) knows. I can't have too
2: many more left. But go back to the traumatic one. Um, Did that disturb you? I mean, did that stay with
3: you? I actually found it very reassuring. I liked it that, you know, because maybe if you believe in reincarnation, you think well, all the people who are in my life now, are they going to be in my next life? And that kind of affirmed to me that, you know, my mother is gone and I might meet her again in another life the same way we met in previous lives so maybe there's this kind of rotating theme of people that you have, which is nice in one way but maybe bad in another, if, like if you have enemies in this life, will they follow you into the next life too? I don't know, but yeah. it's interesting
2: And do you have a consciousness of exactly. what went on?
3: Exactly and, uh, Yeah. But if you start thinking about that, I mean you'll never sleep again Isn't that, that frightens well, your, me look, at night Look at the state of me. <laughs> <laughs> like if we're in our next life, will we know the same that's, way we know we're sitting here in front of the microphone? That's the thing, you say. Will that's, we know?
2: Yeah. And, and that's what scares the wits out of me yeah. is that we won't have a consciousness of all the love and all the good exactly. stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
3: But then, like there's books as well on it and a lot of people will say and scientists will say birthmarks are also an indication of how you died in a previous life. And they follow this with the studies they've done in India of children who have large birthmarks and have memories of a past life where they might have been shot or they might have been hit with something like in the face that would leave a birthmark. So they truly believe that birthmarks, as well, are an indication of how you died in your last life.
2: I have a birthmark <gasps> on, on my ass.
3: Oh, but well that's interesting. <laughs> so, would that tie into the Civil War
2: <laughs> then? Possibly so, indeed. <laughs> Ellie, that was fascinating. Thanks very Thanks much, for that. Thank you. And uh, if anybody wants to share with us uh, out there, 083 311 311.
0: Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com.
4: Tip Today with Fran Curry
3: With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and
1: vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.